2: locked on podcast network and odyssey present locked on sports today
3: it's a good thing san francisco retained jimmy garoppolo what has happened to the defending afc champions and what did aaron Rodgers, justin fields and lambeau field have in common sunday night i'm peter Bukowski. starting your day with the can't miss stories and biggest debates in sports you're locked on sports today
2: Searching all major sports. sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story.
3: Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. For those asking why the San Francisco 49ers brought back Jimmy Garoppolo when they were saying it was Trey Lance's team, the answer came in an unfortunate circumstance in week two. Trey Lance reportedly. Breaks his ankle early in the game against the Seahawks. He is expected to be out, if not for the entire season, most of it. And in walks Jimmy Garoppolo help leading the 49ers to a 27-7 win in, in the way that Jimmy Garoppolo leads the 49ers to these kinds of wins, right? Joining me now from Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock. And Brian, now that we've seen this play out, how does it change the way that you view this decision to keep Jimmy G in San Fran? Yeah, this
0: is always the most likely scenario I think when Jimmy Garoppolo stayed was that he was going to replace Trey Lance because of injury, not so much getting just replaced. And I think that's where a lot of people got it wrong as they thought, "Oh, they want to bring Jimmy back because they're not sure about Trey and at some point Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start games because Trey gets benched." And and that was never that was never going to be the the scenario. It was always going to be, "Oh, well, we're going to run this quarterback enough that he's going to get hit enough that we probably should have a pretty good backup quarterback. And if that can be the guy that we know we can win with and we can get him for six and a half million dollars this year, then uh, that's what we need to do. Now Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make a lot more than six and a half million dollars because he can start a bunch of games and start hitting some of those escalators in his contract. But um, the the really unfortunate part of all this is now the lack of development for Trey Lance. And it's the one thing he needed was to play a lot more football. And now he's played a handful of games, four plus games, uh, as a starter since 2019, it was a long time ago that he was playing games for an FCS level school at North Dakota State. So the, the development path for Trey Lance is really the problem now for the 49ers. They're, they're going to have to worry about going forward. But right now, it's business as usual. What we've seen from the last five years, the 49ers have a good roster. They can run the ball. They can play defense. And Jimmy Garoppolo can get the ball out in 2.5 seconds. And uh, they can win football games with him.
3: Yeah, we've seen what this offense can be with Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen what this team can do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo was top five in EPA per play last year, and and everyone understood they have to get better at that position. That's just how this has worked. So, okay, this seems like to me a move that raises your floor as a team week to week. We know we have a better idea of what it's going to be and not be, but it also potentially lowers your ceiling. That's the idea of bringing in Trey Lance is to raise the ceiling of this team. So ultimately, how do you think that cashes out given what we've seen so far from this team through two weeks? Yeah, people want to say, well, with Jimmy you can't win a Super Bowl
0: because they didn't win the Super Bowl and they didn't get past the the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC Championship game last year. But I think they still can win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. That's getting pretty Uh, close, by the way. (laughs) They were very close to winning the Super Bowl. Some other things went haywire. It wasn't like Jimmy Garoppolo threw five pick sixes in the Super Bowl and suddenly they couldn't win um Jakowski Tartt catches a Matthew Stafford pass the 49ers are in the Super Bowl do they beat the Bengals potentially do they win a Super Bowl last year you know so it's it's very a few very of a small number of plays could have gone either way that those two years And maybe Jimmy does hoist a Lombardi maybe things look a lot different if he did win that Super Bowl in 2019 maybe they decide not to go get another quarterback but um it's it, Jimmy Garoppolo can play and and they can win he doesn't raise the ceiling like you had hoped Trey Lance would have at the end of his development whenever that happens, or someone like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, clearly. But he's good enough to beat the Packers in the playoffs every year, so there's that. You had to do it. You had to do it, didn't you? Uh,
3: I didn't mean it. Yes, you did. Stay up to date all season on the San Francisco 49ers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On 49ers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, what has happened to the AFC champions?
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast.
3: Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. Monday Night Football provides a few interesting lines, including Josh Allen's passing yards over under. They have it set at 263 and a half, but that's not even the highest passing total. Bet Online has Kirk Cousins over under at 279 and a half. And no surprise, the Buffalo Bills are expected to score the most points tonight. Bet Online has their team total at 29 and a half. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Sunday was rife with improbable comebacks and immaculate upsets. The most impressive may have been the Miami Dolphins' huge comeback over the Baltimore Ravens.
1: The Miami Dolphins roar back for a 42-38 to victory over the Baltimore Ravens in Week 2. I'm Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. The Dolphins utilizing a 28-point Flurry of points in the fourth quarter, highlighted by a career high 469 yards passing and six touchdowns from quarterback to Valoa to complete a miraculous 21-point comeback. 42-38 over the Baltimore Ravens to push the Miami Dolphins to 2-0. The team's upgraded wide receiving core, highlighted by Tyree Hill and Jalen Waddell, each had monster days as well, helping the Dolphins' big strike ability come in the clutch. And the Dolphins are 2-0, set to host the Buffalo Bills in Week 3.
3: Meanwhile, the Jacksonville Jaguars not only beat the Indianapolis Colts, they shut them out. The Jacksonville Jaguars are victorious in their home opener versus the Indianapolis Colts with a 24-0 shutout of Matt Ryan and company. It was a textbook performance by Jacksonville where what they did was they played a very efficient, a very professional, workman-like game. Trevor Lawrence was super in control of the offense. He had some great throws. They got off to an early lead and then the defense went hunting and they ended up getting five sacks on Matt Ryan. is what we've talked about on Locked On Jaguars. You want to see confidence. You want to see a real NFL way of winning games. And for the first time in a long time, the Jaguars got that done today. 24-0 home opener
4: against the Colts. They're now 1-1, one and, one, and they head out west next week to play the Chargers.
3: What is going on in Indianapolis? It is a mess. And the Broncos' home opener brought Denver a win over the Houston Texans. It was far. A good day. Fans rained booze on a largely inept offense, and Jerry Judy and Pat Surte on the second both left the game with injuries in the first half and did not return. Can you be unhappy about a win? Well,
1: the Denver Broncos improved to 1 1 on the season after a 16 9 victory over the Houston Texans, but the Broncos' red zone offensive struggles continued. How do they address that? I'm Cody Rocosa Lockdown Broncos, and for the Broncos, they came out on top with a victory, but there's still a lot of areas they need to address this week. According to Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett, they have been unable to convert it in the red zone in two consecutive games, not to mention penalties, 13 of them for 100 yards, have impacted the Broncos' offensive rhythm, not to mention, you add in the loss of Jerry Judy, who's dealing with rib injury right now, according to Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett. His status is up in the air for this upcoming week, Sunday Night Football against the San Francisco 49ers. The Broncos have a a lot of things they need to clean up. It'll be an interesting week to see how they address it in practice. Make sure you check out Lockdown Morocco. freely available everywhere you get your podcast in audio format, not to mention available on YouTube.
3: The city of Las Vegas has its first professional championship, thanks to the Las Vegas Aces. The Aces won the WNBA title three games to one over the Connecticut Sun after a 78-71 clincher. Aces guard Chelsea Gray was named Finals MVP This is the Aces' second Finals appearance in the last three years, but their first title. Coach Becky Hammond is the first in WNBA history to win a title in her first season as head coach. Hammond was a player for the Aces when the franchise was located in San Antonio and made the Finals in 2008. She was also an assistant to Greg Popovich with the San Antonio Spurs for eight seasons before Aces owner Mark Davis hired her last December to take over the WNBA team. And on the diamond, Aaron Judge is doing much more than just hitting home runs for the New York Yankees.
5: This is Stacey Galsulius of Locked On Yankees, and the Yankees beat the Brewers 12-8 to avoid a three-game sweep in Milwaukee. Nice job, guys. Aaron Judge, four for five with two home runs. He's now up to 59. And not only that, since September 3rd, his average has gone up from 294 to 316. So it's not just home runs. He's doing it all, everyone. And he's close to overtaking the lead in the batting title, which would give him the Triple Crown. Now, there are a bunch of games left. Anything can happen. But what we're watching from Aaron Judge is amazing. So if you live in the New York area and you have the means to do so, get your bums to Yankee Stadium this next week. It's a long homestand. You might witness history. I'll have a full recap of this game on the next Locked on Yankees. And I have some thoughts about the MVP debate because there are lots of thoughts from lots of people. And I have thoughts, too. So tune in.
2: Here is another story you need to know.
3: It wouldn't be weird for a team who lost the Super Bowl to come out with a little bit of a hangover. We've seen this in the past, but there are... Super Bowl loser hangovers, and then there's going 0-2 against Mitch Trubisky and Cooper Rush. To try and help me figure out what exactly is going on in Cincinnati, Jake Lisco from Locked On Bengals joins me now. And, And Jake, what isn't working for this team right now that was working at the end of last season and in the playoffs when the Bengals looked so good?
4: I would say the offense, but the offense wasn't working at all times in that playoff run last year either. I think it comes down to Some certainly offensive issues. Joe Burrow doesn't look the way that we have grown accustomed to Joe Burrow looking for far too much of these games. The offensive line still has issues. The offense doesn't seem to have made, or perhaps Joe Burrow, or perhaps you you name the X factor, the adjustment needed to the preponderance of two high looks that they've started to see this year. So that big play that was so crucial for them last year has been conspicuously absent for the most part through two games for this team. They
3: they added, prominently added players to their offensive line this offseason, not superstar level players, but players that most people, myself included, certainly thought would bolster this team in a way that we just haven't seen play out on the field yet. So on the spectrum of it just wasn't going to work to let's give this some patience and down the line it can be really good, where do you fall in there?
4: Well, I have more concerns about the offense structurally, I think, at this point than I do about the offensive line, which 13 sacks in two games, people are going to look at that and people are going to scream about the offensive line in the national media and in local media. And some of it will be correct and some of it probably won't be. You go back to week one, I think Joe Burrow firmly accountable for at least two of those sacks he took. and, And that leaves four. One of them was a kneel down at the line of scrimmage that was counted as a sack but isn't a real sack you know what I mean Um, four sacks still probably too many against Dallas I think that there are some coverage sack issues which speak to the structure of the offense that I'm talking about and also some plays where Joe Burrow just needs to get rid of the ball and without having downfield replays for all 22 we can't say with veracity that he had opportunities to throw those balls so maybe again coverage issues but either way not all on the offensive line certainly somewhat on the offensive line. A lot of adjustments to make in general, I think, for this offense. And I do think that the offensive line still can play better. But some of this is just the way Joe Burrow plays football, and some of it is the offense needing to make adjustments. So
3: I, I understand that that we haven't even been you know, 24 hours from this game on Sunday. But if you were to say and have a meeting with the coaches and say, look, these are the things that I think – the team can fix these are not not even necessarily the ways to fix them but just these are the things that i think are fixable about what we're talking about here offensively what are those things
4: yeah i think that there are some tendency issues and that there that that's what the coaching staff can can look at and and probably address i was pleased against the cowboys in week 2 when they came out and went under center straight drop back pass after week 1 16 out of 18 plays under center were running plays, and Mm. all of those running plays that had pre-snap motion went in the direction of the motion. They broke both of those tendencies this week against the Cowboys in in week two. The thing that I'm more concerned about them fixing, and and I do think that the coaching staff can get a handle on some of this stuff, although critics would say that they've been seeing it for years now and they haven't seen those adjustments come in a meaningful way, the, the item that would be more concerning to me is Joe Burrow's comfortability. He simply does not look... Like the same player so far and certainly some of that on the offensive line i don't mean to diminish the way the offensive line is played which has been mostly poor but joe burrow has also left something to be desired i think in terms of pocket management he's leaving clean pockets at times and when things break down the tendency is to look for a scrambling lane which has gotten him into trouble whereas earlier in his career and when he's playing well the tendency is to keep the eyes up and look for the play and that occasionally does get him sacked but The instincts have not been entirely there. And a lot of this could be to do with him missing three weeks of reps with that appendectomy that was an open procedure, not the laparoscopic procedure. And maybe Burrow's just a guy that needs the reps. Stay up to date all season on the AFC
3: champion Cincinnati Bengals by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and the Locked On Bengals podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, the Packers and Bears got together for another meeting of rivals on Sunday night.
2: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
3: Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with the NFL season kicked off. Sleeper is climbing the charts. Millions of users and they've just launched 22 new features, including a new over-under game integrated right into your fantasy interface. You already use Sleeper for your fantasy football leagues. Now you can play their great over-under game right in the same spot. Just pick, let's say, rushing yards. And you pick a couple players. Then you choose the over or the under. You choose the amount of money you want to enter in the contest. If you pick correctly, you win anywhere from two times to 20 times the money you put in. Those are not returns you're going to get other places. Plus, it's got a built-in chat function. I can see and copy my group's picks, or they can copy mine, more likely. So stop what you're doing and download the Sleeper app to play their new over-under game and have fun with your friends while making some money. And we have a listener group for Locked On Sports Today listeners. Join our group at sleeper.com slash locked on today, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to hundred dollars. Again, go to sleeper.com/slash lockdown today, and you'll get a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleeper's terms of use for details. It was an unusual situation for these two teams to be in. The Bears coming in undefeated, the Packers coming in at the bottom of the division. Of course, all of this after just week one. And the Bears got off to a hot start. They get out to a 7-3 to lead, and then the Packers pour on 21 second quarter points. They win 27-10. to They get back on track, leaving us questions about both of these teams. Joining me now from Locked On Bears, Lauren Cox. And Lauren, when you, when you look at this from a Bears perspective, do you feel like what we saw was more about week one being a little bit of a mirage for the Bears or about the Packers getting right in this game?
6: I think I certainly think week one was a mirage in the sense of all of the rain and everything the bears had to do with, you know, uh, environmental wise at soldier field. But I think this was them coming back to earth and looking a little bit more like the team that we thought they would look like. And to some extent, I think it's green Bay looking more like the team we thought green Bay would look like the talent deficiency between these two teams was definitely high. And the bears couldn't play the type of perfect level of football they would need to win a game like this. So Yeah, it feels like a more of a writing of the ship for both teams on back to where we thought they
3: would be more entering this season. Does this let me ask it this way. To what extent does this answer any questions you had about this Packers team after what we saw in week one against Minnesota in what was in in a large measure a, a lifeless performance?
6: You know, I feel like it felt like a a continuation of some of that, but an improvement in some of that. That like still Hmm. Rodgers and his young receivers are still getting on the same page, right? I mean, there were some missed passes there that you just don't normally expect from a Green Bay offense. But yet, if you can just run the ball with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon as effectively as the Packers did, not only in week one against the Vikings, but also in this game against the Bears, you know, you almost don't, you don't need it as sharp of a Rodgers passing connection against a team as poor as the bears comparatively to a team like the Vikings that you're going to actually need to co- complete some of those throws. So I don't know if it answered all the questions about the Packers offense because the bears might not provide the most accurate answer on what the Packers will be facing for the rest of the season.
3: Yeah. 193 yards on 33 combined carries for the running backs in this game for the Packers. This is kind of the the version of the team. We thought we would get Aaron Rodgers and the run game. A a nasty defense and then a shot play here, special teams doesn't lose it for you. That's supposed to be what we thought this Packers team was going to be. On the Bears side, they're a team going and and trying to build. They're trying to build what the Packers have, right? So as we move forward here with the understanding that what happened in week one might have been a little less indicative of what we're going to see moving forward. How are you going to qualify success for the Chicago Bears? Let's say in the short term, not even the rest of the season, just over the next, let's say, month.
6: Well, even the whole season has never been, not never been, but it's not supposed to be about wins and losses as much this season, but you qualify, you quantify success by growth, by player development, by Justin Fields, taking steps forward by like a game like this, the running game, really looking strong, the offensive line doing a lot better in the line of scrimmage and, and getting that ground established throughout all four quarters of this game, right? Like you look for progress in those small areas and you feel like if you can stack those up, even if they don't turn into wins, that's progress. That's some level of success for a young Bears team.
3: As we look forward here, uh, we have a Monday night game that also involves an NFC North opponent. I mentioned the Vikings in week one against the Packers. Does what we saw on on Sunday change how you feel about the Vikings potentially and how you feel about how the, the packing order shakes out here in the NFC North? I think it definitely pushes them a, a higher, more firmly up into that, like,
6: lead the division type conversation. I think entering the season, right? They felt like a very clear second. Let's see what happens under Kevin O'Connell, but if you can get Justin Jefferson going for 150 plus yards every game. It's not a bad way to do things with a good running game behind it and Dalvin Cook and that defense, I think playing better than people expected. Maybe some of that was the Packers still getting their things together. But I think the Vikings have to be, have a lot of confidence kind of moving forward that this plan can work just taking the same players that
3: were already there and using them more intelligently. Stay up to date all season on the Chicago Bears and Green Bay Packers by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today, Locked On Bears, and the Locked On Packers podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. And finally, here are my three game balls of week two. Tua Loa throws six touchdown passes to power the comeback over the Ravens and silence the doubters Aaron Jones racked up 170 yards and two touchdowns in just 18 total touches to power the pack victory and Kyler Murray single-handedly brought his team back from down 20 to nothing to give the cards a chance to beat the Raiders in OT I guess he did his homework this week thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen coming up tomorrow just how much better than the rest of the AFC do the Buffalo Bills look